In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, we're going to be answering a lot of your questions today on the Retirement Pathfinder. Welcome in. I'm Ben George, along with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. They are retirement income planning specialists. You'll find them over at Pathfinder Wealth Management and online at pathfinderwealth.com. As always, we look forward to this mailbag edition of the show. Barbara and Phil, welcome in. Oh, how are you Thanks, doing, ben? ben? I'm doing well. Uh, I know it's been at least a month since we've checked in with uh, with Phil on the farm. Any updates, Phil? Anything new happening out there? Oh, yeah. Have I got a good story for you, Ben, <laughs> and our listeners. Um, so last day of hunting, deer hunting season, my son and, and his boy, my grandson, were out there hunting for deer, and they'd just come in. It was about, oh, sunset, you know, right after sunset. They went into the house, and I was out in the barn and uh, doing some things out there, and all of a sudden, I heard this ear-piercing screech. I never, it was like no sound I'd ever heard before. It was like a, a high pitched woman screaming. And I thought to myself, my gosh, what is that? <laughs> so I went out of the barn, went around the side of the house, to, and I heard it again. It was down probably 150 yards by the creek. I, it's like a sound I never heard before. It was, it was actually spooky. Yeah. I never heard anything like that before. So, of course, I, uh, that was the end of that. And I hustled into the house and uh, sitting down, and I got a call from my next door neighbor. And he, he asked me, Phil, did you hear that sound? Well, it, it just happened. He was down there hunting as well on, on his side of the property. I said, you know, what in the world is it? He says, well, I don't know. I, I, I think it might be a bobcat. Hmm. And so I said, wow, do we have bobcats in the area? He says, well, I saw one. He said he shot a deer a month before that time and saw this bobcat uh, over his deer with the two coyotes, one on each side. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to go ahead and see if I can find out what kind of noise they make because it was, it was a, a frightful noise. And so I went online. I, you know, if you, if you uh, Google bobcat sounds. Yeah, you could find anything out, right? Yeah, yeah, you hear it. And that's exactly what it was. It was a bobcat. Huh. We saw some pictures of it on a trial, a trial cam that my, uh, my buddy mm -hmm. had. So we've got a bobcat, or maybe several bobcats in the area, and they're very rare. And I guess there's uh, an open season on them here. Not open, but it's a closed season. But they do have a season for them in Illinois. So they're coming back through the area. And that's kind of interesting to know. Mm. Yeah. So, so they weren't I like they were injured or anything. It's just that's the normal sound. Yeah, they just basically screech like that to intimidate their prey. Okay. Uh, they'll, go after, uh, they'll go after other deer. They'll go, uh, you know, to deer. They'll go after uh, small cattle as well. I mean, they're, they're oh. pretty ferocious. They, they can weigh as much as 60 pounds. Mm, that's a big cat. Yeah, it's a big, big kitty. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, th hey, this, there's never a dull moment out at the farm. <laughs> that's that's for sure. We it definitely, is fun. We've learned that through the years. Well, thanks for sharing that, Phil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you haven't joined us before, pathfinderwealth.com is the website. Again, everything that we talk about today, you can get more information on the website about it or just uh, schedule an appointment and meet with Barbara and Phil and start your planning process. But we also take questions through the website as well. We got mailbag questions today. So we thank all the listeners of the show too. We've had a great feedback over the last uh, couple of years and, and the audience continues to grow and grow. And you know, that's thanks to you and, and spreading the word. So we appreciate that. And that's why we want to take this episode to answer your questions. So if you ever have anything on your mind, send it in to us through the website and we'll do our best to answer them here on the show. So i got four questions I want to get to today. Let's lead off with Bo. He says, I need about 5,000 to live on each month in retirement. 
and my social security and pension will total about 5,300, so about 300 left over. Does this mean I'll be able to leave my entire 401k behind to my son? Oh, pretty generous there, Bo. Mm. But, well, a couple questions. And, and one is, is your pension a public pension? In other words, a government pension or is it a private pension? If it's a private pension, then you have a static payment that's never going to increase. Whereas with a public pension, then you have your annual cost of living adjustment. And the second question is, are you married? The greatest concern for you is inflation and taxes for any retiree and, of course, health care. Now, remember, Social Security cost of living adjustments have been considerably low lately because inflation has been low. If Social Security were actually keeping up with inflation, you'd be seeing at least a 3% increase each year, and you don't see that. So, boy, you may be fortunate enough to not have to withdraw from your 401k in your early years, but at age 72, you will begin required minimum distributions. You'll be forced to withdraw some of that money each and every year from then on. And we covered inflation and what that does to your purchasing power on a recent podcast. So your $5,000 today is going to need to be $6,400 in 10 years, just with inflation, and about $8,000 a month in 20 years. My suggestion to you is to give us a call at 815-399-9806, and we'd be happy to look at a plan for you. An actual income plan, all things considered, I think that may surprise you. And if it's important for you to leave money to your son, there are concepts that you may find appealing to ensure that happens, even if you dip into your 401k, other than your required minimum distributions. So one of the questions I would have for Bo, uh, Barb, in addition to what you've just uh, uh, stated to him is... uh, if he has the choice between leaving his 401k to his son taxable or tax-free, which one of those two do you think he'd pick? Sure. I bet he'd pick tax-free. Tax-free, right. And so there are methods, there's ways that he can do that. And so that's another reason why he'd want to call our office here and, and uh, find out the details about uh, having a tax-free inheritance left to his, his son. Sure. That's a good point too. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that question, Bo. Hopefully it helps you out, but you definitely want further planning to make sure um, you can leave behind as much as possible for your son. Maurice is next, says, I have a stockbroker that I've worked with for 30 years, long before I even moved here. I like him very much and I think he does a great job, but I really have no way of knowing. How can I grade his performance? Yes, that's a really, really good question because... um I need to ask a few things of Maurice, but you know, I can assure him that it is possible. In fact, it's easy to gauge performance if you have the right tools. And so our source for measuring risk and return uh, for our clients is data that is provided through the, Univers- the University of Chicago, what they call the Booth Business School, the Center for Research and Securities Pricing. And what they've done is they, it's a, a depository where they've collected data as far as returns and risks and history on every single investment known to mankind. It's unbelievable how much data they have at the University of Chicago. And so we access this information and, uh, and they can actually create a report for us, for Maurice here, to uh, let him know what his performance is. And it, you know, there's a little bit of cost involved in, in a, uh, some time to get to it. But before we would launch off on a project like that for Maurice, uh, I need to find out a few things from him. And first, um, you know, it's pretty obvious that Maurice has had a great deal of confidence in his stockbroker over those 30 years, 30 years of experience. That's that's incredible, Barb. How many people do we see that stay with a broker for 30 years? Yeah, that's a, that is a long time. It, it is. That's rare. Yeah. So this broker has really earned his trust and uh, by satisfying whatever Maurice's needs were during that time. So the question I, had, I would have for Maurice is, well, what has changed? You know, why is it important now to determine investment performance? Has something changed? Has it 
Has there been some um, question in his mind? Has he found other information elsewhere that causes him to kind of question, you know, the returns? Well, without attempting to challenge Maurice, you know, I would want to find out why he thinks his broker has done a great job. And that's, those are his words, that he's done a great job. So I want to find out from Maurice why, you know, what his definition of a great job is. You know, it might be that Maurice would, uh, would have difficulty in, in setting aside some of his personal feelings and change things if a report showed him that he was underperforming. That's my biggest fear is that uh, we would go through the, the time, expense, and, you know, all this particular process of, of showing the returns and the performance to Maurice. And he says, well, gosh, I've been with my broker for 30 years. It's going to be really hard for me to, to change. So, but again, I would remind Maurice that he said that he has no way of knowing uh, how well he's actually done. And so he may need to go through something, what we call a, a kind of an emotional catharsis. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's where his mind has to change. It, it, that's the only way you can really change from a mindset that says, hey, I've been with somebody for so long. This is the way we've always done it mm-hmm. kind of approach in order to improve things. And so that might mean leaving nearly a lifelong relationship with somebody that he likes very much. And again, that's his, those are his words. He likes very much. And we certainly can appreciate loyalty. We can appreciate that, that relationship. You know, I would be honest and, and Barb, I don't know how many people that you found like that. I mean, maybe you run across some that have been with a broker that long and they're so dedicated and loyal to their broker that Mm -hmm. they're not willing to, uh, to change. But most folks that I know that are kind of in that situation are looking for what we call bias confirmation. Sure. You know, that's looking for, <laughs> yeah, they're looking, yeah, there's somebody who, or someone who can convince them that what they have done and what they're going to continue to do uh, is in their best interest. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of these folks don't have the courage to really change in spite of the facts, you know, don't confuse me with the facts kind of a thing. And, and, and that's okay. You know, if this is the case with Maurice, I would, I would encourage him to think about our, our discussion uh, I'd send him away with a little bit of information, you know, just to kind of satisfy his curiosity maybe. But, you know, before he decides to move forward, uh, I would just say, look, Maurice, um, you probably don't want to hire me at this time until you really work through these things. And you need to really deal with some of the emotional trauma or drama that would go along with making a change of this type. So, you know, be prepared. There's going to be a lot of work involved here. And uh, I just want to take it slow and and let Maurice make a decision when he's ready to. Well, that's uh, and yes, because our job our job isn't to talk you into leaving. Oh, not not at all. You know, right. we we do here uh, talk with uh, you know the the emotional side of investing, and that's very important. But it's it's kind of funny that my twenty three years in this business, Phil, and your forty some years in this business, there's not too many questions or statements that we haven't heard. But when someone says uh, that their financial advisor is doing a good job for them they really have nothing to compare it to. So I, I would say, what is this person doing for you? A lot of activity doesn't always equate to performance. And what kind of investor are you? Does that philosophy line up with your advisors? Mm-hmm. And our famous saying here at Pathfinder is, you don't have to know a lot about investing because it doesn't have to be complicated. You just have to know some of the important things. Well, we teach you some of those important things. And we can find out a lot about analyzing portfolios like you had mentioned, Phil. You know, diversification, you know, overlapping of funds, mm-hmm. efficiency as far as risk and return, fees, you know, all, you know, are there hidden fees that you don't even know about? But that's just about the investments. And how is this person helping with tax savings with an estate plan, protection from catastrophic illness? Most financial advisors are strictly investing your money. 
But all the above that I just mentioned are equally as important in working together. Yeah, people really don't know what they don't know. You know, and the real question is, do they want to know what they don't know? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And so if they really don't, that's okay. You know, we, we want to affirm them at the same time. But, uh, but we really look, are looking for the person that uh, wants to find out. You know, let, let's, let's dig into this. Let's find out, can we improve our position? Are there alternatives out there? Is there a, is there a way to better improve our, our outlook in terms of our retirement income? Well, yeah, we help people that want help. That's exactly right. Yeah, can you handle the truth? Are you ready? For <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yes. Yeah, where did that come from? I'm yeah. trying to think of what movie. A, a few that. good men. Oh, yes, very yeah. good. Yes, um, yes. Thanks, Maurice, for the question. That's a good one. Uh, Shannon's got one for us. I like this one. I'm very curious in your answer. Some people mm-hmm. in the media say that I should invest primarily in mutual funds, and they say I can expect annual returns north of 10%. I don't mm. even need a return that big at my age, but I'm intrigued by the idea of it. Where do I find these funds? Yes, where do we find these funds? <laughs> well, be cautious of what you hear in the media. First of all, average annual returns are hard-pressed to make that on an average, even in an aggressively invested portfolio. Now, those returns are possible, and they do happen, but not each and every year can you expect to see that as an average. And remember, the most aggressive portfolio can drop 40% in a down year. So like you said, at your age, that type of portfolio may not be in your best interest if you're nearing or you are in retirement. Shannon, if you're getting your investment advice from the media, I wouldn't act on it. What you hear in the media is very biased. They have an agenda. You just don't know what it is. Personally, I would sit down with you, as we do with all of our investors, and explain the different types of options, you, you know, mutual funds, uh, ETFs, index funds, stocks, and bonds. You're investing in risk tolerance how you're invested so far. So it's an education. And then when you have all the right information, you'll have a better idea of whether getting a 10% return based on the truth of seeing that kind of return is something that you really want or you need. Yeah. Gosh, Barb, you know, when people are really always talking to us about returns, uh, I think they really are, are kind of envisioning investment nirvana out there. You know, that, that's this, this hidden, uh, we, we must have the key to find these, these hidden funds out there that will return us 10% or greater. No downside. Yeah, really. Uh, you know, it's, you can't. I mean, it's impossible to predict what the future is going to be and what these particular pun, funds will perform. But, but we, we try to redirect their focus. And the focus is not on the percentage return as it should be on how much income can your portfolio produce. So, so let's say, for example, if you need $5,000 a month income and your portfolio can only realistically produce $3,000, okay, then we know what kind of a portfolio to construct to get you the $3,000 safely, consistently over your lifetime where it could potentially grow. Mm-hmm. So we want to take a look at income and the income requirement will drive that type of portfolio, not the percentage return. Yeah. And actually, the, in the return too, it does have to be somewhat consistent because you need income and you're withdrawing now. So you're in the yes. decumulation phase. It's quite different than the accumulation phase. Mm-hmm. Very good. Great question. Uh, something to consider, but uh, definitely, definitely uh, work with someone that can explain the risk to you, make you understand exactly what you need. Um, and maybe you don't need to go over the top, Shanna. Who knows? Uh, mm. Derek's our last question. Says, my aunt died recently and left her house and some cash to me. I've never had a desire to buy a rental property before, but I'm considering keeping the house as a rental property now that this opportunity has fallen into my lap. Is that wise or or would I be better off to sell and invest the proceeds? You know, about uh, 25 years ago, there was a book that came out called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
yeah. Yeah. And so I really got into that and I got the, I got the real estate bug. I got bit hard by that. And so (laughs) I've been a real estate investor for over 20, 25 years now. And so I've got some experience along this line. And um, so let me give Derek some of my personal experience and, uh, and some of the upside downside of it. I have uh, looked at uh, real estate and yes, you can make money in it. But I would say to Derek this, that your success as a property owner or landlord is dependent on a number of factors. So we'll start out with the number one rule in real estate investing, which is location, 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 right? Those yep. three, the three rules, location, location, location. Well, because of the location, we need to find out if your aunt's house will increase in value, maintain its value, or even decrease in value. It's all geographical. You know, the property values here in the Rockford, Illinois area are much different from the Chicago suburbs. So we have to kind of be aware of location. So can the area the house is in, where it's located, demand the rents needed to offset things like property taxes, insurance, upkeep or any goofy special assessments that the local government imposes. Mm -hmm. And there are some whoppers out there, I'll tell you. And they come as surprises most of the time. So does Derek have enough cash to tide him over between tenants, you know, for a six month or one year period of time? You know, one of the great things about uh, uh, passive income is that it comes in without a lot of effort, right? Right. Well, it's great if it's there, but if you don't have a tenant, you have no passive income. Mm -hmm. So are there enough dollars set aside for major repairs, such as replacing the roof or the foundation or termite damage or a hundred other things that could go wrong, you know, in your real estate property? What if, what if he needs to evict a tenant? Uh-oh, does that happen? You bet it happens. Will he have the internal, what we call the intestinal fortitude to go it alone? Or will he have to hire an attorney and incur the additional expense of court costs, filing fees, and all the rest that go along with it. And Ed, I, I've been there too, and it's, it's not comfortable. An additional consideration is the demand on his time and whether he has the ability to repair or replace things of, like major components in the home, uh, furnaces, your HVAC, that type of thing. Or will he have to hire a contractor or a repairman? And, uh, or how about the time it takes to screen through uh, potential tenants? Uh, going through their backgrounds and uh, their history. It's very important to check out their backgrounds. So sounds pretty simple so far, right, Barb? Uh, Not so much. Not so much. Okay, wait, here, it gets even worse. Okay, how about this? This is the biggest challenge. Ben, you won't believe this. This is something that I think, Barb, you just learned about this a little while ago when we went over this. Yeah, this surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, here's a bigger challenge for you, being a property owner, okay? During this recent COVID pandemic, do you know that in Illinois, you cannot evict someone who does not pay their rent? Unbelievable. That yeah, is unbelievable. That, yeah. So you can live rent-free. Yeah. The Illinois governor has said that the only way you can evict the tenant is if you can prove that there was criminal activity going on in the property. That's unbelievable. Hmm. So now, Derek, Great. You, you have the potential of inheriting another family to support. How about that? <laughs> or two or three. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I would recommend Derek check out, you know, these facts with his local government authorities and, and the stipulations involved. Well, okay. On the other hand, you know, and he asked the question, should we recommend he sell the property and invest? Yes. Unless he's being mentored by somebody who's really experienced in this thing or has worked for a property management company, he's going it alone. It's going to be a real hard learning experience for Derek. So, Here's what we recommend. We recommend that they do sell the house or he sells the house. Invest the money. Why? For the following reasons. Better diversification. You're in 10,000 different locations. You're better diversified, better allocated. You've got results coming in from all kinds of, you know, your, your mutual fund or your ETF doesn't sleep at night. 
It doesn't go to divorce court. Doesn't call the police. <laughs> doesn't call you <laughs> three o'clock in the morning for his, for a plug toilet, you know, or or a flooded basement. Uh, your profits are not local, but nationwide and global. Uh, there's no direct management responsibilities, you know, with uh, investing, and there's no outrageous local government restrictions, taxes, or hassles. And I I'll tell you what, you know, it's it's not easy to go crosswise with the inspector, with the building inspector, if you have to make repairs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if invested properly, Barb, you and I both know, you know, that you'll have better peace of mind mm-hmm. knowing that you have controlled the risk and you have some expectation about the outcome of your investment. Yeah, there you have it, Derek. You can take it from a, uh, a landlord himself. But I heard this question and, and my first question is along the same lines of what you're saying too, Phil, and do you have the stomach to be a landlord? Because I first thought, well, the pros would be if the home is paid for, considering it being in a good area, mm-hmm. of course, it could be a good little cash cow to rent out and taking into account expenses and you know what you'd net. But then you have to say, you know, okay, do you like doing repairs and, you know, people leaving in the middle of the night and trashing the property, pets trashing the property, (laughs) because let's face it, everyone would like to have the perfect renter. But even if you start out and you have that, uh, the ability to have a perfect renter, it's not going to be that way forever. So I agree. I I thought, you know, maybe it makes more sense to invest the money wisely, take an income stream from the gains and have peace of mind. Yeah. You know, go ahead, Phil. I was going to say, you know, in, in this in this uh, world of, of real estate investing, you either have to have no property or you have to have a lot of property. Anything in between where you've got a few little houses mm. here and there. Wow. That's, that's really where the problems really are overwhelming because you've got to contend with that and you don't have the profit to really show. That money is not really going to go in your pocket long term. That's a good point with you. Yeah, if you have a lot of properties, you're going to have some that are dogs and some you're going to be at a deficit at and others are going to do very you're, well. Yep. At you're, least you diversified your portfolio yeah. and you've got the winners offsetting the losers and your money ahead. Exactly right. So I would say you heard it from one uh, landlord who is Phil. So if, yep. you're, if you're really thinking of becoming a landlord yourself, do yourself a favor and talk to several people that are and, and that way that could help you to make an educated decision for yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, multiple opinions will always be beneficial. But if you want to talk to Phil more about his experience and, and just, you know, how does it fit into a plan? What else can you invest in all these things? Um, you want to have a plan for it and a strategy for it, Derek. So you can always connect at pathfinderwealth.com. And again, thanks to everybody for sending in the questions this week. We appreciate it. We'll probably do another mailbag episode here down the road, uh, not too long. So if you have one for us, send it in. Pathfinderwealth.com is the website, or you can call directly if you prefer to have a conversation over the phone or in person at 815-399-9806. Well, thanks, Barbara and Phil, for answering the questions today. I think some good topics here, and I enjoyed it. Yes, yeah, been enjoyable. Thanks Thank you much. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.